Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2. So Rich, uh, we remember kind of some of the things that we've seen, chapter 1, chapter 2. Uh, David has given sort of end-of-life counsel, his, his final words of counsel uh, to the next king. Zach, who's the next king after David? Uh, Solomon, right? Solomon. Uh, Adonijah, his brother, had some other thoughts about that, but uh, the Lord has seen fit to deal with that, and Solomon uh, has been anointed as the king. Mike, you recall that, again, David gave Solomon, just before he died, final counsel about how to deal with different people, uh, some of whom uh, were loyal and some of whom were disloyal, uh, some of whom were loyal to David uh, and to the Lord, and some who were disloyal to David and to the Lord. And um, we've seen that. We've seen Solomon begin to deal uh, with that uh, counsel that he has received uh, from his dad, <laughs> King David. I want to continue tonight looking at uh, Solomon uh, continuing to work through that counsel. Um, look with me here. I want to read just the first several verses here, not the, not the first several verses of the chapter, but uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. Let's look at verses 28. Uh, down through 31, and we'll, we'll kind of take those verses initially tonight. I'm going to read those verses, and, and then we'll pray. So uh, here, 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning verse 28, the Bible says, Then tidings came to Joab, uh, for Joab had turned after Adonijah. He had supported Ad Adonijah's rebellion uh, against uh, David and Solomon. Uh, Joab had turned after Adonijah though he had turned not after Absalom. Joab uh, was very concerned that Solomon would be coming after him, and so the Bible says here he fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord uh, and caught hold on the horns of the altar. Remember, we've seen this before. Uh, verse 29, it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord, and behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent uh, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, go, fall upon him, uh, go and execute him. Uh, I understand it's, it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's justice that this man, Joab, uh, would be executed. This was Solomon's understanding. Verse 30 says, but I came to the tabernacle uh, of the Lord and said unto him, uh, to Joab, thus saith the king, come forth. And he say, nay, or no, but I will die here. Benaiah brought the king, Solomon, word again, saying, Thus saith Joab, uh, and thus he answered him. So he goes back, Solomon, with this report. Uh, Joab says he, he won't come out and face justice. Verse 31, the king, Solomon, said unto him, Do as he hath said. Fall upon him, execute him, uh, uh, right where he is, right, right at the tabernacle, uh, and bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me. Uh, and from the house of my father. Now, that's a uh, that's bloody scene. We want to understand tonight um, what exactly is happening here, uh, Brother Ray, and, and why it's happening. One of the things I want us to see tonight, uh, to be reminded of again tonight, Rich, this has been a constant theme, uh, sin has consequences. Uh, sin has consequences. So we'll see some of these consequences tonight. We'll try to uh, bring in uh, some of the historical aspects of this just to kind of help us uh, understand this. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in here. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, tonight uh, for your words. 
Father, we thank you for um, preserving these history books for us. Lord, we, we do struggle with them at times, uh, Lord, to keep track, to, to keep it all uh, in context and, and to understand how it all fits together. But I thank you that we can. Uh, thank you, Lord, tonight that we have the Holy Spirit. We have a completed Bible. We can study uh, and compare Scripture with Scripture and, and wrestle with it and understand, Lord, how it fits together. And Lord, understand again tonight uh, that um, there are principles here that you are revealing to us that are relevant to us even today, hundreds and hundreds of years later uh, after these events. Lord, help us to understand the, the meaning and significance of these events on, on your timeline uh, in the context where we see them. And also, I pray tonight again that you'll help us to understand uh, how we can apply these things in our life today for your honor, Lord, and for your glory. Father, I pray tonight that uh, you'll help me, that you'll help each of us to see that which you'd have us to see, to understand how best to apply it uh, in our individual lives as well. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Shall we jump in? Zach, you feel good about that? We jump right in. Okay, come on back to verse 28. So again, 1 Kings uh, chapter 2, back here in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 2, uh, verse 28. Uh, we find here Joab. Now remember, Joab uh, had been a general uh, under David. And Rich, at times he was quite loyal to David and seemed like a good, reliable, faithful uh, leader, but at other times he had been quite disloyal. disloyal. Uh, can you remember probably the most disloyal thing that Joab did? Does anyone, guys, do you remember? Uh, he, it involves, um, it involves I'll, I'll get it, um, I'll get it. Uh, the other, so Absalom, there we go. <laughs> Brother Ray, I got it. Did you pray for me? Uh, Absalom, he murdered Absalom. He took Absalom's life against David's will. David had given specific counsel not to do that, uh, even though Absalom had, had uh, re revolted and rebelled against his dad, the king. Uh, there, there's that. Now, we know Joab also, uh, he committed at least two other murders that are referenced here uh, in this passage, we, we know that, um, well, we see this here. There's, um, there's the uh, case of, I'll get it out here, Abner uh, and Amasa. And back when that happened, back when we saw that happen back in 2 Samuel, remember not that long ago, uh, David had pronounced that there, were, there would be consequences for that. Uh, and then he, he basically just committed it into God's hands. Uh, until uh, he evidently felt led of the Lord to give Solomon counsel uh, about how to deal with this man, how to bring justice against this murderous Joab uh, for, for his terrible sin of, of, of murdering at least these, these three men. So uh, look with me here at verse 28. Then tidings came to Joab. Uh, Joab, for Joab had turned after Adonijah. He had supported Adonijah's rebellion against uh, David and Solomon, uh, though he turned not after Absalom, he had not supported Absalom's uh, rebellion. Joab fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold uh, on the horns uh, of the altar. He uh, evidently uh, remembered that he wasn't the first one that had done this. He, 
He hoped, Marilyn, that if he fled to the tabernacle and grabbed a hold of the, thorn, of the horns of the altar, that no one would kill him there. Uh, no one would kill him there. Uh, we'll see in a minute that the law, Brother Ray, actually prescribed that if a man was guilty of first-degree murder, murder, that he should be executed even if he fled to the tabernacle seeking mercy there. That, that was required under the law, and so uh, that's good to know. Uh, think about this for a second. Uh, why, why, is, why is Joab in a situation where he's fearing so much that he flees from Solomon uh, to the temple uh, where, where he, the tabernacle, forgive me, where he hopes his, his life will be saved. Now, don't make this too hard. Guys, uh, why is this man so fearful? What, what's behind his fears? Zach, can you help me out with that a little bit? Um, has he been obedient? Has he been disobedient? Has he been loyal? Has he been, I mean, what's, what's, what's at the root of this fear here? He's been disloyal to David. He's been disloyal. Uh, well, he's been disloyal to David. He, he's a murderer. Uh, he, he's, 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 he's killed several. He knows that he's guilty. Uh, he knows that David in the past has pronounced consequences. Uh, he very likely knows that, um, that uh, David had encouraged or counseled, there we go, Solomon, uh, regarding dealing with this man. Uh, Zach, his, his fear, I think we could just summarize it very quickly. He finds himself fearful because he's guilty of sin uh, and fearing the consequences of sin. Stop and think about that for a second. Does that, does that sound familiar at all, Brother Ray? When we, we know that we've sinned against the Lord, when we know that we've disobeyed him, uh, sometimes there's a, that engenders a fear, right? We fear the consequences of that. You try to put it out of your head, but you know, when the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, uh, convicting you, and, and, and you're trying to just ignore that, that sometimes th there can be a fear uh, of consequences. And, and honestly, there, there should be at times because uh, the, Lord will, the Lord will chasten us uh, to encourage our uh, rich, rich, to encourage our repentance. Uh, I would just say this. I will summarize all this tonight. Mike, I think we can see in Scripture that there, there's principle that uh, disobedience breeds fear and chastening, maybe fear of chastening, but just in our spirits, in, in our hearts, disobedience uh, breeds fear. Sometimes it's a fear of chastening. Sometimes it's just fear. We're not really sure why it's there. Whereas obedience uh, tends to peace uh, and other blessings. By the way, is peace in your heart a blessing? Is that a blessing? That's a big blessing, right? Uh, when, when you've got peace, you're at peace, you know, hey, uh, I'm not perfect. I, I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. Uh, I'm certainly not perfect, but when the, when the Lord has convicted me of sin, boy, I've been quick to agree and ask him for grace to, uh, to turn from the sin, to forsake it, to, to repent, uh, to put off disobedience and put on obedience in this place. You can realistically expect a peace in your heart because you're right with God. You're right with God. Uh, and, and there's a peace. But when you're wrong with God, uh, even as saved people, right? When, when he's convicting us and we're refusing to confess the sin uh, and refusing, to, we're not right. Our relationship with him is, is not right. Our walk with him is affected and there's no peace. And, and Brother Ray, there, there can be real chastening, right? Real trials uh, from the Lord, lovingly designed by him to encourage uh, our repentance. Uh, Joab's fearing for his life because of his sin, 
Uh, he's fearing for his life because of his sin. Look, verse 29, it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord. So it's not the temple at this point. Solomon has not yet been privileged to build the temple. He will be, but it's still the tabernacle at this time. Uh, and, and behold, he's, he's by the altar uh, at the tabernacle. The Bible says, then Solomon, uh, second part of verse 29, sent uh, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, go uh, fall upon him. Zach, we understand, go fall upon him is kind of polite language, right? Uh, polite scriptural language to, to fall upon him in this context is to go and, and take his life. Now, you, you look at this and say, well, uh, is, is Solomon uh, addressing sin with, with more sin? Is he, is he heaping sin upon sin? Uh, is he... Um, exacting revenge or, or retribution, perhaps on the part of David, uh, in a way that that would be sinful? Would he be better to just commit this uh, into the Lord's uh, hands, uh, as David, his dad, did initially at least? Uh, or you, you, you know, we're going to try to evaluate this biblically. That's always a good idea, Rich. Uh, and try to draw some conclusions. Is this a, uh, a righteous thing that Solomon has sent this man to execute Joab, uh, or, or, is it, or is it unrighteous? Well, we know if you look at verses 31 and 32, uh, King said unto him, uh, do as he said, fall upon him, bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed. And, and back in, in, down in verse 32, he mentioned specifically Joab being guilty, again, of the murders of Abner and Amasa, down toward the end of verse 32. So uh, Solomon has sent this man, an executioner, really, uh, to, to execute this one who is guilty uh, of murder. Um, but we won't go back there uh, right now, but back in 2 Samuel 3, uh, David had Mike publicly assigned guilt. Uh, he, he had publicly called out Joab uh, and, and assigned guilt to him for these murders. Dave, David made it known publicly that Joab was the one who was guilty of murdering uh, those two men. Uh, and then in 2 Samuel 3 in, in verse 39, David says, and I am this day weak, um, though anointed king, and, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah be too hard for me, the Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to uh, his wickedness. Not the Lord's wickedness, of course, but the, the wickedness of, of those who were guilty of these sins. So uh, for better or worse, David calls out Joab back at the time that he committed those murders. Uh, and he said, you know what, I, I just don't feel like I can deal with this at, or should deal with this at this time. And so he just said, Lord, I'm going to put this in your hands and I'm going to trust you, uh, Brother Ray, somehow to uh, take care of business. Somehow, Lord, when it's your time, your way, uh, you, you, you see that uh, justice is executed uh, upon this man. Now, I've already mentioned tonight at least once uh, that earlier in this chapter, we've seen David counsel Solomon uh, that, that he should do according to uh, his wisdom. Uh, he says in verse 6, 1 Kings uh, chapter 2, verse 5, do, verse 6, forgive me, verse 6, do therefore according to thy wisdom, let not his whore head or his white head, his white hair go down to the grave in peace. He said, listen, you need to deal with this man. 
according to wisdom from the Lord, you need to deal uh, uh, according as you feel that God would lead you. Uh, and so Solomon is, is clearly doing that, Brother Mike. He, he sees that this murderous Joab, uh, he's unrepentant. Uh, he supported Adonijah in his rebellion against God's chosen king. Uh, there's, there's been no recording of repentance for the murders, uh, no indication of repentance for uh, sort of militating against God's plan that, that, that Solomon would be king. And so uh, it looks like this is just a, a, an unloyal, uh, unfaithful, unrepentant man uh, who has real potential to threaten Solomon's uh, rule and, and reign unless he deals with him uh, according to God's will would, would be the idea here. Look again at verse 30 uh, here in our passage. He sends this man, Benaiah, to the tabernacle. Um, Solomon says, uh, forgive me, Joab says, I'm not going to come out, come in here if you want to murder me. Uh, of course, it wouldn't be murder. This would be a, a a just execution. Verse 31, Solomon reiterates his command, hey, you need to go back there uh, and, and deal with him no, no matter where he is. Uh, the king said unto him, verse 31, do as he hath said and fall upon him and then bury him, so you understand what that means, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me uh, and from the house of my father. Would you turn back quickly to Exodus chapter 21? I want to look at two verses that kind of help us evaluate whether Solomon has acted righteously according to God's word or not. I want to look first uh, at Exodus 21 and verse 14. Exodus 21 uh, and, and verse 14. Um, this very interesting verse, and we probably should have looked at this verse before we got to this point, but uh, are you there? Everybody there? Brother Ray, you're there. Uh, Exodus 21, verse 14. Uh, but if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile. So you remember we looked at this. Um, the Lord had certain prescription for dealing with someone who was guilty of manslaughter, sort of accidental killing. Uh, but if a man come presumptuously to slay him with guile, sort of intentionally, you know, murder one in, in modern terms, then thou shalt take him from mine altar that, that, he might, that he may die. So Lord, we understand this. The Lord prescribed capital punishment uh, for premeditated murder in, in Scripture. That's, that's God's plan. Uh, that's God's way of, of dealing with that in Scripture. Zach, do you see any indication in Scripture that, that God has changed that prescription? I don't, I don't see any indication of that at all. Uh, we don't like to think about that. We, we, we are concerned about people being executed unjustly or wrongly. Uh, but I think we do well to bear in mind, hey, that, that is God's prescribed manner of responding to people who are found guilty uh, of premeditated murder. And so you, you have to kind of look at a verse like this and, and compare it to Solomon's decision and, and say, you know what, some time has gone by but this man is, is guilty of murder, at least three murders that we can see in Scripture. And the Lord has prescribed a way of dealing with this murderer. Uh, and, and so, you know, you have to weigh this and say that this would appear to be consistent with the Lord's command. Uh, turn forward a little bit to Numbers. So if you're in Exodus, turn forward a little bit to Numbers 
uh, chapter 35 and, and verse 33. Uh, by the way, we should have done this before you go ahead and do that, but back in the, in the Exodus 21 passage, Lord specifically said, thou shalt take him from mine altar. So uh, if a man fled to the altar, he was to be taken from the altar and executed. Uh, that, that's, that's where we find Joab. So it, it would seem to be the case that uh, Solomon is, um, is acting according to God's word. Numbers 35 and verse 33. Numbers 35 and verse 33. Are you there? Numbers 35 and verse 33. The uh, Bible says, So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, uh, for blood uh, it defileth the land. Um, the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. So uh, this passage is, is dealing again with biblically prescribed consequences uh, for murder. And uh, here, number 35, the Lord is saying, hey, listen, um, the, the, only, the only way that, quote unquote, the land could be cleansed of, of the blood of the guilty uh, is by the blood of him that, that was guilty. So again, uh, it seems, Brother Ray, there's, there's multiple places where the Lord prescribes this, this death penalty for someone who's guilty of a first degree premeditated uh, murder. So we have at least two verses here where, where we can see that. So uh, for Solomon to uh, call for the execution of Joab, Marilyn, e even though it's some period of time after he committed the crimes, it would seem to be consistent with Scripture. Uh, it, it would seem to be perfectly consistent with Scripture. Um, the Lord prescribed this penalty for that crime and although the penalty wasn't carried out immediately or, or in you know, quick order, uh, the, the penalty is the penalty that God has prescribed nonetheless. Uh, it's interesting, Brother Ray, this, this past week we looked at the idea that you know, sometimes God will, will make a promise or give a prophecy but not fulfill that, Brother Ray, for some time, right? Doesn't mean the promise is broken, it just means that the Lord's timing is perfect, right? Uh, same, my similar idea might be brought to bear here. E even though this God-prescribed penalty for this sin had not been carried out up to this point, it's still the penalty that God prescribed uh, for this sin. And so it would seem to be consistent uh, with Scripture. Verses 32 and, and 33, um, Solomon just continues speaking about uh, his rationale. Verse 32, Lord shall return his blood upon his own head. So back, back in our passage. Lord shall, verse 32, Lord shall return his blood upon his own head, uh, which seems to allude back to that Numbers 35, 33 passage. I think Solomon, of course, would have been uh, familiar with that passage, would have had access to it. And so he seems to be alluding to, to these aspects of the law uh, which point him or guide him or, or direct him. Uh, Zach, what, what should be the thing that guides and directs a believer today more than anything else? The Bible, the word of God, right? Uh, the word of truth, uh, God's words. Yes, we want to be sensitive to the leading of the spirit of God, but you, you discern his leading as, as you compare the leading to the scriptures um, and you know we, we have a completed Bible, thankfully. Solomon here in verse 32 seems to be alluding to the language uh, of Numbers 35, 33, which is prescribing this, this penalty. Uh, and so it seems to be the case that he's 
leaning hard on Scripture as the rationale for uh, his decision. Lord shall return his blood upon his own head, uh, who fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and slew them with the sword. My father David, not knowing thereof, to wit, Abner, one who was killed, son of Nair, uh, and Amasa, the son of Jether, captain of the host. These two are the guilty ones. Now, I want to I wanna spend a little bit of time on verse 33 um, for a couple reasons. It's maybe a, a, something that's difficult, uh, and it's also something that um, I have encountered over the years as, as a pastor. Not the verse specifically, but one of the issues that is raised by this verse. Verse 33 says, Their blood, so Solomon is speaking, Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab, uh, and upon the head of his seed forever. But upon David and upon his seed and upon his house and upon his throne shall there be peace forever from the Lord. So uh, what, what, is, what is being said here in the first half of, of verse 33? Solomon is clearly communicating his understanding that uh, his actions are being guided by the word of God, that he's uh, he's, he's acting according to the law, uh, God's word, and, and that's his desire. Uh, it, that, that's his desire. But he says something interesting here, a little bit less than halfway through verse 33. He says the blood sh- shall be Joab, uh, the, the blood of the, of the innocent is, is on him, uh, and upon the head of his seed forever. The head of his seed forever. So uh, Solomon seems to be saying, hey, uh, he, he, Joab's going to die as a consequence of, of his guilt of shedding the blood of, of these innocent men. But Zach, does, does Solomon not allude to someone else potentially suffering consequences uh, for Joab's sin as well? What, what do you see there? His seed. Who is that? His children, those, those that would follow him, right? So... Uh, Solomon seems to be saying, hey, uh, Joab is guilty. He's he's committed this sin. uh, And and so he's going to suffer the consequence of his sin that God has prescribed. But also understand that uh, there's a sense in which there's a curse, a sense uh, at least. Uh, He he seems to be uh, pronouncing this consequence uh, upon Joab's children, uh, as well, down through his family line, he's, he seems to be pronouncing consequences, Marilyn, or at least potential consequences. Dad is guilty. He's going to suffer this consequence. But Joab's family that follows after him may also suffer consequences as well. Uh, what do you think about that? Is, is that how we understand? Is that how you would understand the verse, Brother Ray? Is that how you would understand? Exactly. Is that how you would understand? Seems Kind of like that's what's, what's being said, right? Um, I have encountered uh, people in, in the course of my time as, as your pastor um, that have raised this idea. They don't necessarily borrow it from here as much in, its, in an Exodus passage uh, where they, they refer to this idea of generational curses. Have, have you heard that idea, generational curses? Um, oh, my, my parents did something uh, terribly sinful. They did some wicked thing, uh, and so they've suffered consequences, but those consequences can be seen in my life also. 
You know, the, the Lord, Lord put a curse on them, and, and that curse has, is upon my life. And there's all this difficulty in my life. Uh, even though I'm not guilty of their sin, there's all this difficulty in my life uh, because of their sin. I don't know if you've uh, encountered people who have, are you shaking your head yes? Have, have you heard people allude to that idea? My parents were wicked, uh, and, and God's punishing me for the wickedness of my parents. Uh, they, you'll, you'll hear it described sometimes as a generational or multi-generational curse. Um, have you encountered anything like that? Sometimes people will also say, uh, I have these, I, I'm into this sin because my parents were into this sin. Uh, Pastor, you, you don't understand. My, my parents sinned this way, uh, and that's why I sin the same way. They did this, and, and that's why I do this. Uh, and so I'm suffering all the consequences for their sin. Um, have you heard people try to blame their parents or grandparents or someone else for the sin that is in their own lives? Have you ever heard that? Um, probably have, probably have. Uh, do this for me, and I wanna, I wanna just spend a couple minutes on this because it, it is something that uh, I do encounter from time to time, and so we'll, we'll go down a little bit of, uh, admittedly, a little bit of a rabbit trail here, just, just for, just for a, a, a bit. Turn over to Exodus 20 and verse four, please. Uh, Exodus 20 and verse 4. Don't spend too much time here, but we kind of have an opportunity here and, and really a need to understand that, that phrase here in, in verse 33. Uh, Exodus 20. Are you going there? Brother Ray, are you there? You're in Exodus 20. So Exodus 20, uh, the Lord is, is giving forth the uh, Ten Commandments. So it's very familiar to us. Verse 4 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. Uh, Mike, idolatry is, is prohibited by the Lord. That, that makes sense. Uh, verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, uh, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. <laughs> and then this phrase, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that what? Hate me. And so people look at this verse and say, well, verse five right there, pastor, that's, that's proof that the sin of my parents or my grandparents uh, could be one of the reasons that I have so much difficulty, uh, so many trials in my life. God has pronounced consequences in their life for their sin. Uh, and and he's, he's injected consequence for their sin uh, into my life as well. Now, look at the end of verse 5 again. Visiting the iniquity of fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So basically the Lord says, listen, if, uh, if you commit idolatry, there will be consequences uh, in your family tree, your children, their children, their children, uh, as a result of that. That, that could be the case. Uh, that could be the case. Uh, the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Zach, we do well to look at the next verse, though. The next verse. Would you read the next verse? Yeah. Yeah, so he says, hey, the, those that hate me, there'll, there'll be consequences. 
and, or but, you can understand it either way, uh, he's a God who will show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So, you know, you look at a passage like this, you have to look at the whole thing. You can't stop uh, at a certain point and say, well, that, that's all I want to see. There's, there, there, there it is, verse 5. There's this idea of a generational curse. My parents sinned, they suffered consequences, and that's why my life is a mess, Pastor. Uh, there it is in, in verse 5. But verse 6 says, you know what, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case because he will show mercy uh, to those who love him. And, and how do you demonstrate love to the Lord? By obeying him, uh, by keeping his commandments. So uh, this is one of those places where you, you have to keep reading uh, if you want to understand the, the big picture. Could there be consequences um, in the lives of your children if there's big sin in, in your life? Yes, there could be, uh, because children may learn your sin. Brother Mike's children sometimes learn sin from their parents, right? And when they sin, they could suffer consequences in their life because of it, but because of, of their sin rather than the sin of their parents. Would you turn to uh, Ezekiel 18 and verse 20? Ezekiel 18 and verse 20 seems to be a verse that brings out this idea pretty clearly. Ezekiel 18 and verse 20. Here the prophet Ezekiel says this. He says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And then Ezekiel says in the next phrase, uh, the next sentence, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteous of the righteous shall be upon righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So, you know this this idea, this sort of false interpretation of the Exodus passage, uh, is kind of made more clear. It's corrected when we begin to compare that scripture with scripture. Ezekiel says, you know what, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. He'll not be responsible. A son is not held responsible by the Lord for the sin uh, of his parents. That's a good thing. Uh, there is a passage in the New Testament, uh, Zach, maybe you can help me with this, where uh, Jesus' disciples ask him if a certain man was blind because he had sinned or because his parents had sinned. Uh, that's in John 9. Uh, do you remember the basic idea of what Jesus' answer was? Um, he said neither. <laughs> he said he's not blind because uh, he sinned. He's not blind because his parents sinned. Uh, Lord has a completely different purpose uh, for allowing that particular man to be blind. But uh, in the course of answering them, he seems to... Uh, refute or to um, to uh, excuse, uh, to reject, there we go, to reject this idea that this man might be experiencing some trial in his life because of the sin of his parents. Well, well that makes sense because Ezekiel specifically says that that will not be the case. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. And if we go back to the Exodus 20 passage, uh, it specifically says no, the Lord will show mercy to those next generations when 
if and when those individuals uh, choose to demonstrate love to the Lord by obeying him. So that's probably too much time on, on this idea tonight, but um, I, have a, I have a handout on this topic if it's something that you have wrestled with or you've heard people kind of bring up this idea, oh, you know, you're, you're struggling because of a generational curse or uh, I'm struggling because of this. No, that it's really not a biblical idea. Uh, Brother Ray, the, going back to the Exodus passage, no doubt there could be consequences if the children learn the sin from the parents, but then they're being held accountable uh, and will suffer consequences for their own sin, uh, not the sin of parents. So um, come back to our passage here tonight, uh, 1 Kings 2.33. This idea upon the head of the seed forever has to be understood in the sort of the, the full context of what the Bible teaches uh, about generational sin or generational curses, if, if you will. Not really a biblical idea except for the fact that children may learn sinful patterns from their parents and then be held accountable uh, for their own sin. Aren't you glad tonight that you're only held accountable for your own sin, Marilyn? That's enough, isn't it? That's enough. Now, aren't you glad? Aren't you even more glad tonight, Brother Ray, that the blood of Christ has covered all of our sins, all of them? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be held accountable uh, for my sin uh, at uh, the judgment seat of Christ, where I will appear, uh, or the, the great white throne judgment, where I will not appear. Uh, it's been covered. It's been covered. So. Uh, hopefully we, we we got a hold of that. I've probably spent too much time on it, but if you have questions about that, please see me. Verse 34 in our passage, Joab dies. Uh, Beniah, um he carries out the biblical judgment of Solomon. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and fell upon him and slew him, and he was buried in his own house uh, in the wilderness. Uh, after that, Benaiah is, point, is appointed, he's made general uh, in Joab's role, and there, there's new priest also, verse 35, king put Benaiah the son of Jehoiada uh, in his room over the host, over, over the army. Zadok the priest did the king put in the room of, of Abiathar. Um, there's another account here, and we can kind of read through this quickly. There's another man that um, Solomon has to deal with. Uh, it's uh, Shimei, Shimei or Shimei. Uh, he's a man that, that David has given counsel to as well. Uh, this is the gentleman, uh, not so gentleman, gentlemanly man, uh, who had cursed David uh, when he was fleeing east out of Jerusalem as Absalom was approaching. You remember that, right, back in 2 Samuel? We weren't, it wasn't too long ago that we were there. Uh, this man was kicking up dust and throwing rocks and, and throwing curses uh, at David as, as he was fleeing away from Absalom. And um, David gave some counsel to Solomon regarding uh, this man, which, which Solomon carries out. Basically, Solomon banishes him to a certain place and says, Brother Ray, I'm, I'm going to be lenient. I'm going to show you clemency. Uh, if you stay there. You put him under kind of like a modified house arrest. You go to this place and, and stay there. Uh, it's probably an idea that's borrowed from the law. Uh, Zach, is there, a, is there an aspect of the law that he might be borrowing that idea from? Cities of refuge, right. So if a man, would, remember who 
could find refuge there? Yeah, so if you accidentally killed someone, you could go to city of refuge uh, and, and you would be not held accountable so long as you stayed there. Um, and you, could, you had to stay there, I don't know if you remember, um, I think I have this right, you, you had to stay there until what? Do you remember? The death of the high priest is exactly right. Uh, and so that idea of a place of refuge where you are ultimately exonerated by the death of a high priest is a very clear picture of Christ, right? He's the ultimate high priest. Uh, you're, you're, they were ultimately exonerated by the death of the priest. And so that whole construct, that whole Old Testament idea is a very clear picture of Christ. You get excited about that because it's one of the ways the Lord prepared the Jewish mind for the idea of a savior who would die for them before that might have been perfectly clear. Uh, so it's just kind of interesting. Solomon may have borrowed this idea from uh, that uh, prescription in scripture. Look at verse 36. Um, King sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, build thee a house in Jerusalem and dwell here and go not forth whence uh, any whither for it shall be that uh, on that day, I may have said he, he, he was required to go out, forgive me, uh, for, for it sh shall be that on that day thou goest out and passest over the book Kidron, that be to the east, thou shalt know for certain that thou shalt surely die, thy blood shall be upon thine own head. So he said, I, th I think I misstated, said he had to go somewhere else, but he was actually required to stay there in Jerusalem, and if he went anywhere else, uh, he, he would suffer uh, consequence for, for his sin. Verse 38, Shemai said unto the king, uh, the saying is good, he agreed, uh, as my lord the king hath said, so will thy servant do, and he dwelt in Jerusalem many days until he had some practical reason to depart uh, for a time. It came to pass, verse 39, at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shemaiah ran away unto Achish, son of Maaka, king of Gath. They told Shimei, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. Shimei rose and saddled his ass, went to Gath to uh, Achish to seek his servants. Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. So there's this issue amongst his servants that he feels that he needs to go out and address. Verse 41, Solomon finds out that he has gone and come back, and so he pronounces the consequence upon this man. Uh, verse 42, the king sat and called Shimei and said unto him, Did I not make thee to swear by the Lord? And protested unto thee, saying, No, for certain, on the day thou goest out and walkest abroad any whither, thou shalt surely die. Didn't I tell you that? Brother Mike, he said, Hey, hey man, I told you that if, if you did this, you, you'll die. Thou saidest unto me the word that I've heard is good. You agreed. He said, You know, I told you uh, what the deal is, and that if you didn't abide by our agreement, that um, there would be consequence, and you agreed. Verse 43 Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord? an oath, an agreement that you made before the Lord with me and the commandment that I've charged thee with. King, verse 44, the king said, moreover to Shimei, thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to that thou didst to David my father. Therefore, the Lord shall return thy wickedness uh, upon thine own head. King Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Here's the last verse of, of the chapter, verse 46. 
king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him, uh, that he died. The kingdom was established uh, in the hand of Solomon. So, Zach, you have here again a man who suffers consequences for his choices, uh, for his actions. Now, you look at this and say it seems kind of strange that he would be killed for, you know, just going out of Jerusalem and then coming back. But Brother Ray, he, he made an agreement with Solomon before the Lord that this would be the case. And you may wonder about exactly um, why Solomon uh, handled this man this way. Brother Ray, I suspect he, he just wanted to see uh, if this man would, would prove honorable and trustworthy uh, over a period of time. What is, what, would he demonstrate that? Um, by choosing to abide by this agreement over time? Or would he violate it, proving himself untrustworthy, dishonorable, uh, perhaps a threat to Solomon? Uh, I can't say for sure uh, exactly what Solomon was thinking here, but but I can say this man made an agreement, uh, an oath with Solomon before the Lord, he violated that, and he suffered consequences. Uh, Marilyn, we do well again tonight to kind of bring it all back down to the idea that our, our sinful choices have consequences. Uh, we're so thankful tonight because of the cross, that that because of the cross, none of us who have come to Christ for salvation will experience the consequence of hell. Nonetheless, our sin can have consequences uh, in our life, and um, certainly we do see uh, that idea here tonight. Uh, Joab suffered great consequence for his sin. It was the consequence that God prescribed uh, for his particular sin. So Solomon would seem to be acting according to the word of God. Uh, in, in that regard. This, this man suffered consequences. This last man, Shimei, uh, suffered consequences for his choices too. Um, just go back and um, ask you to consider, um, before we close here, we'll pray and sing. Um, Zach, it seems to me that Solomon probably had a hard choice to make regarding Joab uh, and killing him at the tabernacle, having him executed uh, at the tabernacle, uh, he was guilty, and um, the the Lord's prescription was clear. But don't you think that was hard? Don't don't you think that was hard? Should be hard, I think. Um, remind me again what he le- what he evidently leaned on in order to guide his choice, to guide his decision, when when it must have seemed very hard. He was guided by what? The word of truth, the word of God. By the way, we have all kinds of decisions to make all the time, right? We have difficult uh, decisions, difficulties that, that uh, we face all the time. We, we have to make choices every day. Uh, sometimes the choices seem inconsequential. Sometimes they seem very consequential, but whether it's one or the other, we do well when we're making choices to consider uh, how does the word of God factor into this decision? 
does, does the word of God clearly uh, point to one decision or the other? Uh, as we're mining out all these various principles from, from God's word, are there principles that I can apply to this decision that point to one path versus another? Brother Ray, the more we learn about God's word, the more we are equipped with his words and the principles that we take even from the Old Testament history to point to decisions. Um, are we ever tempted to make the wrong decision? Church? Are we ever tempted to make the wrong decision? Uh, I have a three-letter S word for that. What is it, Brother Ray? Sin. Does it have consequences? Yeah, it does. It does. Lord, help us to be guided by your words and to bear in mind that, that sin has consequences. For the believer, not the consequence of hell, but can be many other consequences uh, between here and heaven. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to pray. Zach, come and lead us in a song, and, and then we'll, we'll have our prayer time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for your words. Lord, thank you tonight again for these history passages. Uh, I know, Lord, there's, there's much here that can be difficult for us. But I do thank you tonight that we can, can take away principles that are very practical. Lord, I thank you tonight that the believer has the Holy Spirit to help us see these things. And Lord, that there's grace available from you to uh, walk according to these principles. Lord, I pray again tonight that you help us to uh, seek to be guided by your words when we're making decisions, whether they seem like relatively light things or, or relatively consequential things. Lord, help us always to be guided by your word. Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to continue learning your words so that we can make practical application day in and day out. Lord, help us to bear in mind that there's consequences for not doing that. Choose the wrong path that we can suffer very significant consequences, chastisement, uh, consequences in our own lives, practical consequences in the lives of those around us. Lord, I thank you tonight that when we make the wrong choice, when we choose to sin, your grace is still available to us because of Christ and the cross. Lord, help us never forget that. Your grace is always available to us because of Christ and the cross. Father, I'm grateful. Church, give you a moment to pray and do any business with the Lord that he's laid upon your heart. And we'll